Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm pleased to have George Bailey as my guest today. George Bailey is the President Sleep Talker of Z-Pods, a startup that is developing sensory-friendly beds for high-energy children, including those with autism. He also sits on the Board of Directors for Autism Speaks and the On the Spectrum Foundation in St. Louis, where his company is based and is engaged in the community through these organizations and church service. George has a JD, a master's degree in teaching English to speakers of other languages, and a bachelor's degree in Chinese. In fact, he is fluent in Mandarin Chinese, German, and Danish in addition to his native English language. George and his wife have five children, two of which are on the autism spectrum. Welcome, George, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today to talk about your amazing invention. Thank you so much. And and one thing I want to make clear is that from the start, this is not my invention. I'm I'm very fortunate to have worked with uh, a few other people who are really capable at taking something that already existed, in this case, the capsule bed, uh, very prevalent in Asian airports and micro hotels and repurposing it for the autism community. And then at this point, you know, we get to take it and really, truly invent something new. We're very excited. Well, it sounds wonderful. So what can you tell me about these sensory friendly beds you're developing and what makes something sensory friendly? Well, it's a great question. I think that we're really only in the starting phases of understanding what it means to be sensory friendly, particularly at nighttime. Uh, what we know is that there are a lot of children out there uh, up to, uh, it's almost uh, one out of every six in the United States, according to the CDC, who have a sensory processing disorder. Those of you who are listening know that that is a lot more prevalent in the autism community. Uh, autism, uh, among autistic children, up to 90% are affected by a sensory processing disorder. So when we go about trying to create a space, what we're thinking about is like, how do we help soothe this child at night when it's so important for them to be able to get good sleep? And one of the things that has become really key to a sensory friendly environment is a sense of kind of like a sensory hug. So that's why, you know, these beds, which if you've never seen them before, they are enclosed units. You get inside, you close a door and you're literally sleeping inside of a, a pod. It's not small, you know, it's six feet, five inches from end to end. So it's like, you know, I fit in there. I'm a grown man and, and uh, you know, I love it. I think it's very comfortable. But the point is that when you feel that kind of enclosure, whether it's through uh, your kind of senses, through your, um, what's the sense I'm looking for? It'll come to me in just a moment. Vestibular sense, whether it's through that, or whether it's through just the feeling of having something really close nearby, it's like you feel like you're getting kind of a hug. And our theory is that that's what is helping many of the children we work with to sleep better. But we're, we're careful. We don't make any medical claims. I want to be very clear about that. But we are doing clinical trials to be able to establish a little bit more information so that we know more. Well, what you say about 
sensory issues and sensitivities for children and people in general um, that have autism is very true. It's very, very common to have several different comorbidities along with the autism diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the classic reasons why, you know, people say, you know, if you know one kid with autism, you know one kid with autism, you know, because they all show up in different areas. My son, Joseph, is very much affected by sensory processing disorder. He's very sensitive or attuned to his surroundings. And my daughter, Madeline, eh, not so much. You know, now, you know, she does have her issues and there are some things that make her a lot more uncomfortable, but not on the same level as Joseph, you know, but then when she explodes, then you better be behind some form of shelter, you know, and uh, Joseph, you know, it's not quite as uh, rip roaring violent as uh, what my, my daughter is capable of doing. Yes, you're right. Each individual does definitely present differently and it is very much case by case and, and, and person by person in terms of um, what their challenges are, what their issues are, what they need and yeah. what makes them comfortable, definitely. Um, so you began this startup by focusing on autistic children. Please yeah. tell me why and do you plan to expand into other communities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the simple reason as to why is because that's where, you know, my my own passion is, is my passion is my kids. And I've got these two kids who are autistic. One of them has a very rough time sleeping, not quite as rough as many other children that are affected by childhood insomnia, you know, in the autism um, community. But, uh, you know, so it's it's very personal. And then once we, a matter of fact, you know, I, I balked at it. I actually thought, you know, what? we don't really need to focus on autism. Uh, we had friends who were prodding us to focus in that direction, but I hesitated because I thought, oh, these parents, they get so many things sold to them. And, and I've been that person and I don't want to be the one who's trying to sell. Uh, but the more that we went into it, we had experiences and, and you know, collaborated with, uh, you know, folks in the autism community. We, we got a lot of really strong feedback, like, please look at this. You know, so we looked at it and our first case study turned out amazing where we had a young woman jump from four hours of sleep a night to over 10. Uh, and that's been over two. And a, it's been uh, close to two and a half years now. It's amazing. Wow. That's great. That was so that has become our why is these kids, because we love working with them. We know that it's not going to help every single kid, but we do know that there are some that is going to help in a big way. So I'd say that that's our big why. Now, as for you know outward expansion, yeah, totally. And the fact of the matter is like every kid who looks at these beds thinks like, uh, I want that because they're cool looking. You know, they're, they're really cool. And that's why I always, you know, tell parents, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, your kid's going to want this. That's not the issue. You know, is it is it going to have any sort of substantial effect on their sleep performance? We don't know. You know, so that's why we want to do the clinical trials. We want to learn everything we can. But kids with ADHD, guess what? They have a hard time sleeping, disproportionate to their peers. Okay. Kids with OCD, guess what? They have a hard time sleeping. You know, these are commonalities that they share. And I'm very willing to bet that behind a lot of it, for those who are the, the roughest sleepers, are uh, is, you know, the sensory processing disorder. Can you go into a little more detail as to why sleep loss in autistic children and others is such an important issue? And also touch on the broader societal issue of sleep loss in America. 
Uh, you know, we're, I'm going to start with that one first because I feel like we're notor- notorious in the United States. We've created a culture of work, 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 a lot of pressure. You know, I'll sleep when I die, you know, type of pressure. You find that a lot in Silicon Valley. And, you know, because we're competitive. And so we tend to think like, well, you know, I don't really need as much sleep as, as other people. It's almost like, okay, I think I'm, think about it this way. Most people think that they are better than the average driver. Statistically speaking, that's impossible. Okay. So most people also think that they're fine without sleep but they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're missing out on. They don't know what they are like when they're sleeping better and their performance is better and more efficient during the day. And I think that they're happier. I think that we're all happier. We all feel better when we sleep better. The average American gets about 6.5 hours of sleep at night. That is not good. Okay, you really do. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the pressure, you know, as I said, the pressure is there. Now, with our kids, it's kind of different in the sense that the pressure is not necessarily there from a social aspect in terms of like, you know, wow, you know, I'm really impressed that you don't get that much sleep. No one's really, you know, with, if I know a business person who's like, you know, Wall Street and, you know, and he's like, yeah, I, I only sleep four hours a night. I mean, they use that in a way to impress each other, uh, which again, I'm going back to what I was saying. I think that that's, uh, that's folly. There are a lot of, a lot of health problems, uh, higher likelihood of having a heart attack, high, much higher, a matter of fact. And kids, they don't have those same kinds of competitions. But where the societal pressures show up is school. You know, a lot, some schools start really early. You know, uh, you got to be ready at, uh, you know, 630 or something like that. You know, and, and most kids really don't. You know, have you ever tried getting a kid out of bed? Doesn't uh, yes. you know, go very well. <laughs> several, several of them, yes. <laughs> so, so the societal pressures there are kind of more the actual rules of when things start, you know, uh, than actual like social pressures. Maybe if you belong to a sports club when you're in high school or something like that, you might start talking about that. But the point is that those pressures are there, but the kids still need a lot of sleep. As a matter of fact, they need more sleep than you or I. You know, you and I probably need on average about eight hours of sleep, you know, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Every individual is different, but kids need about 10 hours, if not more, you know, and, and they just suck it right up, you know. Um, and so sleep is very uh, important among autistic children. Look at what is going on during the day. Okay. Uh, a lot of pressures in terms of, you know, the treatments that they're receiving, and maybe you notice that they have, you know, meltdowns and stuff like that. It's, I can tell you right now, those things are going to go down when you're getting better sleep. So you have to take sleep seriously. I mean, it's a third of our lives, you know, and I don't mean to be like melodramatic about it. It's one of those things where all of a sudden, I, you know, I found myself kind of feeling like a little bit of a goof. I didn't care about sleep three years ago before this started. I didn't have so much passion for it. Now I'm just like preaching sleep and I'm the, I'm the sleep preacher, you know, I kind of feel like a goof, but it is important. Oh, it's very important. And what you say about the societal pressure is absolutely true. And it does start when the kids start are young and starting school and all the way through college. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, those who, those who do um, graduate high school and go on to college and, 
And then there are all these pressures and all these deadlines and all the pulling all nighters and, you know, and, and the sleep deprivation is, is rampant. It's, it's, it's a problem from one, you know, from one end to the other, from A to Z. Totally. Um, yeah, definitely. Now, a lot of the families who might benefit from your bed might also be able to purchase one due to cost. Yeah. So what are you doing or are you doing anything to make your bed more affordable and accessible for these families? That, that is the great question. As a matter of fact, it's the elephant in the room every single time we talk with someone. Um, it's the elephant of the room of the business. It's the biggest concern that we have as a business because, uh, you know, we want it to actually be more accessible, not less. And one of the hard realities of running a startup is that uh, you have to charge more upfront. The early uh, adopters, the people who take this on, they're going to take the biggest risk. We know that. And they know that. And we try to be really fair and honest to them about like, hey, by the way, you know, this is going to, you know, it's expensive. And, I, you know, we don't try to play it off or anything. Um, but so for us, we're constantly thinking, how do you both drive the price down, but also open up the resources? Now, we've succeeded in a number of ways. Um, I would say, you know, number one is that we have gotten state funding in a number of states, California included. That really surprised us. I, I thought California was going to be a lot harder. I thought that they would come a little bit later in the game. Uh, but just uh, several months ago, we had our first sale uh, to California that was fully funded by one of your regional centers. In that case, it was Alta Regional Center. And so that was like, wow. you know. And, and the thing that we learned is that we, we started to work, instead of trying to sell directly, instead of trying to deal with the... Um, these resources, the state disability waivers, state uh, grants or, or funding sources, assistive technology programs, which we've also found you know, to be really helpful, we realized that we should be working with DME providers. And we have lined up quite a few because DME or durable medical equipment providers, the people who sell these things, they know how to work with insurance companies. They know how to work with the waiver programs in every state. And us, we're like, we're just a few people, you know, uh, a few women and men who are like trying to master every single different program in every state. It's not working. It, does, it just can't. So all of a sudden, we've learned that by working through these EME providers, they know these programs. So we have gotten it covered. I would, I would absolutely say to anybody, if you think you don't have enough money for this, please talk to us. Because we will go out of our way to do what we can. Uh, I do want to give the caveat that you as a parent or a, care, a caretaker probably also have to be a mover and a shaker on your own. Uh, and th that's not to say, like, we're not going to help you at all. I'm saying we're going to do what we can. But this isn't going to happen with serious initiative on the part of the caregiver the person making the purchase or arranging for the state to cover it. You know, they're going to have to get, you know, in touch with their child's um, OT or, or pediatrician, whoever it is, that's going to recommend the bed. Um, but we're ha happy to kind of talk you through the process and to share what we've learned so far. Uh, also in terms of price, just so you know, uh, up until June, early June, we have a deal open where we're selling the first uh, number of our beds for $2,800 shipping included. And that's coast to coast. 
Uh, we're doing that because even though we're we're not able to make it, it would not be sustainable for our business in the long run. And I try to be really transparent about how our business operates. It wouldn't be sustainable. We could not hold that up. Uh, we do want to get as many out there as possible in the first wave, so that people have access. And and look, you know, one thing I'm I'm very uh, you know acutely aware of is that when you have something that's out there and it's being seen and kids are experiencing it, then other people are going to want to get that thing too. So that's part of you know who we are as a business. But we're also people. We try to you know balance both of those interests. Well, it's great to hear that you're doing all those things to help make this accessible for people and and some very, very smart approaches also, I must say. Um, So what do you think is on the horizon for sleep technology? The thing that excites me the most is that I think that sleep technology is going to be powered eventually by artificial intelligence. And whether we're going to make this happen or other people are going to make this happen, I mean, you know, we're working on some stuff that is going to lay the foundation of this. Artificial intelligence means that uh, your sleep environment can be more attuned to you as an individual. It can track kind of, you know, if you have enough sensor technology involved in the process, then your, uh, you know, environment, which rests on an AI platform, can then adapt to what it's seeing in your sleep performance and it can make changes accordingly. You don't have to think about the changes. You may have kind of, you may give an initial input. Here's what I like. Here's what I like, but it's going to tell you what you really like because in the middle of the night when you're out cold and it knows what the temperature is, you know, and it knows what your internal temperature is and it knows how many movements you're making in the night it knows a lot more about you than you do. And this is actually one of those areas where, you know, let's say you get on Facebook or social media and it's throwing stuff at you that you're like, how does it know? You know, and, and that may make you nervous. Um, and, and for some people, I understand, you know, for privacy reasons and stuff like that. But in terms of your bed being responsive to you, you know, how does it know? At that point, you actually don't care. It doesn't creep you out. You're actually kind of like, oh, thank you. It's like you're getting a massage. It's some like, you know, nice, like Swedish, you know, parlor or something like that. Thank you, Maurice. You know, this is so nice. You know, <laughs> you know exactly what to do. Uh, that I think is what is on the horizon. And we would like to be a part of that journey. Uh, I think that we're putting in place some of the things that are going to make that possible. I see other sleep companies that are doing incredible tech. And I also think that people are going to open themselves up to the idea that it's really nice to have your own nook. You know, this is where Z-Pods has appeal is kids into it like how many kids do you know who love building a fort basically all of them and some of them love sleeping in that fort so we're giving them the coolest sleep fort ever well this just sounds so cool I have to tell you, and yes, I built a fort when I was a kid. Yes, I did. And I think maybe I I want one of these beds for me, you know? (laughs) Hey, it it comes in adult size right now. You know, everyone, there is some pressure for us to get uh, something that can fit somebody who's up to six feet, uh, seven, six foot seven. That, that'll be the day, but uh, you, you and I, unless, I don't know, I'm, I'm judging your, your, uh, your height by what I'm seeing on screen here, but I think that you and I, you know, that you wouldn't have a problem fitting, and I know that I'm six foot two, totally, so uh, you, you let us know. We'll send you <laughs> one. <laughs> will do, will do. So where can people find out more if they're interested? Well, uh, 
so our website is zpods.tech. Z-P-O-D-S dot T-E-C-H. Zpods.tech. Or you can just reach out to me via email. My email is george at zpods.io. And uh, I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has because we love this and we we take this challenge very seriously. We know it hurts a lot of families and we want to help. All right. Well, thank you so much, George, for your time and for sharing a terrific resource with us today. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.